forgot to say sup, Greg. Sup, Greg. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Juicing the Big Screen, your movies review and discussion podcast. I am one of your critics, Joshua Tracy. I'm a guy that's just here, man. I'm Corwin Heller. Whatever. Still living, still breathing, actual human Corwin Heller. Yeah, Yay. that's about as much hype as I'm going to get. Yeah. <laughs> Real life person man, Corwin Heller. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like something out of like Futurama. Yeah. Or some shit. Real life yeah. person man. Uh, we are talking today about the 2021 film The Little Things and the, I guess this actually debuted in 2019, but is up for Oscars buzz in 2021 film First Cow. That was a long introduction. Um, where do you want to start with this? Uh, let's start with the little things and get that one out of the way. I was thinking the same thing. All right, cool. All right, so The Little Things came out this year, 2021. It is uh, written and directed by John Lee Hancock. It stars Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. That is three Oscar-winning uh, actors right there. And that's Guaranteed the success. Most hyped- yep, <laughs> right? Um, oh, man, we have so many things to say. I can feel it. Uh, it had uh, estimated budget information is not yet here. It's also very new. I wouldn't be surprised if this got updated at some point in the near future about it. Opening, uh, sorry, cumulative worldwide gross for this film though is seven point five million dollars, which is the one of the bigger uh, grosses that we've seen for films that have had recent debuts, um, which is interesting. Um, it's still small on a scale of looking at things that debuted last year and earlier, but. Um, one of the bigger ones we've had this year, since this is also an HBO Max debut as well as a theatrical debut. Uh, anyway, uh, mm-hmm. don't got a tagline, probably for the best. Uh, <laughs> it has it. So actually, this is our first film of this year that has a major award nomination. This film, for some reason, is nominated for a Golden Globe. And a SAG for Jared Leto for best performance by an actor in a supporting role. Um, so there is a major award nomination. We'll find out if he wins that award at some whenever the fuck these award nominations or award ceremonies actually are. I'm going to say March. I don't know. Uh, but we'll find out. It is about. I can already tell you the results. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is about a current county deputy sheriff, Joe Deacon, who is sent to Los Angeles for what should have been a quick evidence-gathering assignment. Instead, he becomes embroiled in the search for a serial killer who is terrorizing the city. Um, Why do you sound like the newscaster from SpongeBob? <laughs> uh, because I am. Really? No, no. no. That made me like... 40? I don't know. I don't feel like doing that math. Uh, Are you not? <laughs> secretly, no. I, I'm actually 12, but I'll never tell. Um, Ooh. All right. So this is this is my pick. Um, I'll start. I'll start by saying I don't regret picking this because I would have watched it no matter what. But this was not a good movie. Um, pick a reason why you'd think a movie would be bad, and that's why this movie is bad. <laughs> um, I mean, it's astonishingly poorly made. It is genuinely like it takes you aback how bad this movie is based on all of the things involved in the making of this movie. Like Denzel Washington, great actor. Rami Malek, rising star. Jared Leto, a weird dude, but a good actor. It's written and directed by John Lee Hancock, whose other works include um, The Blind Side, Saving Mr. Banks, The Rookie, like good, good movies. Oscar um, nominated films. Yeah. He himself has never been nominated for any Oscars, but he's worked on several Oscar nominated pictures. Um, and it's a movie that never comes together in any way. I, I mean, it, it felt like they gave the writers a description. And then had each writer write a part without communicating with any of the other writers and then just yeah. slap that shit together. I, I mean, oh, very well said. 
Uh, like, this is breathtakingly poorly made. Um, I know we I, I, we talked about this last week about you know note like how you notice these writing tropes and and you know the quality of thing. I typically don't. It was the first thing that stood out to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, let me turn it over to you for 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 your intro of it. But I I, I can already tell we're going to agree a lot on this. It just it felt like it really was just disconnected from the rest of what was going on. Like every aspect of this just felt like it wasn't quite in the same mold as the rest of it. Like you were saying, like different groups worked on different parts of the movie, different editors edited different parts of the movie, different directors directed different parts of the movie. And then it all just kind of washed in together. Um, I, I don't know it. If the beginning was just so jarring with how quick the cuts were, I couldn't even really figure out what was going on. I couldn't figure out what the specified tone was supposed to be. I couldn't gather any critical information from it because it just was all over the place and and it didn't allow you to sit and gather any sort of standing with what was going on, who the characters were, what the relationship was, what the case was even and it it never really caught up. It just from start to finish it just didn't feel like a a compelling story with compelling characters. All the characters at the start of the movie just seemed to be continuous stereotypes you know you have the the backwoods you know officer who's almost like a a rain man of like oh he's got his own way of doing it but you know he gets the job done you have the the big time city slicker you know detective who's a hard ass and and just so many fucking stereotypes that just are overplayed and unnecessary and i just there were not a whole lot of redeeming benefits of this film. I'd well. argue there were absolutely fucking none. Um, so you know what? <sighs> I don't want to uh, be that harsh, but you're not exactly wrong. All right, so you know, let let's take this from the from the from the beginning. Um, of course, this is a very recent film. It only just came out a few weeks ago. Um, actually, I'm not sure a few weeks ago. I think this one had like just come out. Yeah, but we are going to spoil week. it. So yeah. So deal with it um the beginning of this film is frustrating because and you know i'm gonna leave the filmmaking side of it oh no i'm gonna pick on the writing a little bit because in horror movies you expect there to be irrational decision making otherwise Mm because if everyone acted rationally there would be no horror film um you know you wouldn't go down into the basement without like lighting and protection uh, if you're that concerned, you can call the police and the police will like come to your house and like go into your basement for you. Uh, anyway, so the idea, but this was so extreme. This woman was in her car <laughs> and felt threatened in a car chase and stopped her vehicle at a like diner bar in the middle of nowhere and got out to bang on the windows of an obviously closed bar. And then somehow gets inside, and then also somehow leaves through the back. She did. She was in the bar for one of the th- one of the scenes. No, that one was the shots. The, uh, like like a fucking instant. Huh? I know the exact shot you're thinking of, and I thought the exact same thing. So I went back to look. It's just the outside of the building. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that doesn't really change much in my opinion. Nope, it but, shouldn't. So it ends up concluding. So first off, that awful, awful, because it's not just it, it's not like she ran to it and then was realized she was in trouble. She drove to it when she make her car run out of gas, make it believable. And then like, why mm-hmm. anybody does any? Why does the bad guy go turn off her radio? Like uh, he walks over to turn off her car radio in the middle of nowhere. He took the key out so she couldn't drive away. He took the key. Uh, you're right. You're right. Honestly, though, fucking still. None of it. Why did <laughs> no why matter did she how take it her... yeah, no matter how yeah. much you like find little improvements, 
it's not enough. <laughs> no. Um, so it ends up ending with her escaping the fate that she directly put herself in um, by running into the street and flagging down a truck driver. You would assume then that this woman would later on in the film prove to be a catalyst for bringing the bad guy to justice. Otherwise, why else have this scene in the movie? If this scene that you are starting off your entire production with, you know, the entire, everyone is going to witness this as the opening feeling for this film, it has to come back into play. And then it basically doesn't. Um, the girl later on goes into a police office to, um, you know, give a, a, a idea of what this guy looked like and then sees Jared Leto and then her testimony gets thrown out anyway. Like it literally couldn't have been less meaningful. Yes. I, I, I mean, there was, there was literally no point you could have taken that entire and that, that's so much of this movie. You could have taken that entire part out, that whole beginning, and her whole interaction with, you know, seeing Jared Leto in the police office out of the film would have been exactly the same. Would have been exact, exactly the same. They use it for like a throwaway bit of procedural knowledge. <sighs> Yeah, like it it makes sense the overall ending outcome. It's like, oh, she saw a, you know, potential uh what's the term for it? Um serial killer? No, uh Match? suspect. A okay. suspect in a police station in cuffs that gives her a predispositioned, you know, opinion on it. Obviously, you know, that's not admissible. At the same time, it's like that is that really how you wanted this to that's your big payoff it's like oh we can't have him as a suspect or like we don't have anything so that's what's going to lead to this breakdown seriously like that's that's your big solution that's your big outcome like that's how you're going to solve the narrative storyline of this this movie is it's just i it's it just feels so lazy well, because it is, because the the idea here is like we, the whole idea of the film is that they're trying to get you to think and believe that Jared Leto is the guy who's doing all the serial killings in Los Angeles, which also, I mean, fucking ridiculous setup for a film that there's a guy who's been serial killing people in LA in the nineties for like six months and has like 10 bodies and they have no evidence. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that the police are good at their jobs because they very much so tend not to be um but fuck man nothing they said in the film they hadn't lifted a print i i mean next level bad police work um but they're, they're trying to get you to believe that jared leto is the serial killer um when in a surprise twist at the end even though he said several times and they have no evidence that he is not the serial killer he is not the serial killer at the end but they did a terrible job of building it up and making you cast actual doubt. They didn't go through any actual real evidence outside of one scene where Denzel breaks into his apartment. It, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't play. And then there's no real buildup for the scene that happens with the girl trying to ID him at the police station. There's one moment where she sees him coming out of the elevator and then that's it. There's, there's, there's no buildup. There's no draw, uh, dramatics with the moment like nothing it just it plays like a piece of procedure like getting evidence it, it it's it's it, it it didn't work it just fucking didn't work it it was an all-around disappointing movie honestly like of the two like i was trying to decide which one of these two movies that we watched this week that i wanted to watch first and I was like, ah, you know, like I picked First Cow. I've wanted to watch it for like a little while now, but it just seems like it's such a weird premise. Like, all right, late at night, cop drama, you know, these actors in it, you know, new release, HBO, blah, 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 a bunch of reasons. All right, I'm a little more excited for this one specifically this week. Let's give this one the watch first. 
And oh my God, it was just disappointment after disappointment from the start. It's just insane. Oh, I couldn't stand it. I, I mean, so so to get, I'm going to give a, a brief overview of, of, of how this film goes. Because um, I think that might help paint a picture of why this was so disappointing. Denzel Washington is like a, uh, I don't say washed up, but he is, he is an old cop who had to leave the force he was on because of a very traumatic case he worked only five years ago, might I add. I was talking to Kellen, was like, that is not a significant period of time. Like, it made it feel less serious. Like, it would be one thing if they said it was 15 years ago. Um, five years ago is, like, super recent. Uh, anyway. Um, and <laughs> the statute of limitations is not even close to being up. Like, No! So, there's uh, still, he has to go, like, pick some shit up in L.A., uh, the basic idea here is that he gets wrapped up into this case because it reminds him of his old case, brings up some old shit, sees an ex-wife, all that type of stuff. Um, they, they're having a hard time finding uh, any clues or evidence. They settle in on Jared Leto because he's creepy. They follow him around for a very long portion of time in this film. Um, and then at the end, uh, Rami Malek, who is a detective as well, ends up killing Jared Leto out of anger and denzel washington helps him cover up the murder of an innocent man um and well we can't prove anything innocent till proven guilty my friend huh innocent till proven guilty my friend this could have been a military drama we don't know (laughs) Uh, uh... I, i know i know uh it it the feeling that they were going for i think is very seven like, and I'm saying that a large part because Denzel's in this movie. What'd you say? I continue, but I had that thought several times where it's like, this is a shitty attempt at making seven. Right. I mean, and it is because, because you have this guy, sorry, actually Morgan Freeman was in seven, not Denzel. My bad. Um, you know, black man. Yeah. Total total racist moment of me. I, I completed two random black dudes together. Anyway, um because you have this like I'm the older guy, I've seen some shit. I'm the younger guy. I am very hot about like this issue. Like I'm very fired up about proving my worth or whatever. Um and I have a young family. Uh and then shit goes sideways and the old guy has to help out, you know, making shit right and you know, the following this serial killer around as he does whatever the seemingly whatever the fuck he wants. Um the difference is there's actual intrigue in Seven. The the characters have depth, and that plays naturally as the plot progresses. In this film, they try to establish depth with Denzel Washington, but it it detracts so heavily. Like, the film comes to a fucking screeching halt every time they do something with Denzel Washington's past. Like, the scene where he goes to his ex-wife's house? Oh my god, why? What? What's the point? Why? What did we get? Like, if, if you have to move so dramatically away from where the story is going, in what is, at its core, a procedural movie, because all cop-related films have that element to them due to the nature of the industry, like, you know, being a police officer involves a lot of procedural steps. So if you're going to remove yourself from a procedural step, there has to be some some bare essential level of intrigue or reason for it. Like when Morgan Freeman goes to Brad Pitt's apartment and it's really a shitty apartment and they got the dogs and they, you know, his, you meet his wife. Yeah. Yeah, Like when the wife's going to come back into play at the end um, and the scene does not overstay its welcome. And they built intrigue within the moment in this. It was just nothing. It was just, it was broad daylight. It, they were just, I'd, it was nothing. It was just nothing. And, yeah. And I, then, they, then they build a fixation on Jared Leto's character based on the only piece, the only maybe clue that they have, which is a washing uh, or a refrigerator repair service. And they thought he looked creepy. That's it, right? That's all of the reason they had to fixate on this guy. Um, there was further evidence from the floorboards, but that was 
after they had already started this uh, investigation, like already started this fascination, this obsession with, with him. Um, so there was little things, but nothing that was nothing that would be legally considered probable cause. No, and the shit that they like had on him, it wasn't even creepy and weird where you go like, oh man, you know, this guy might not be a killer, but he sure is fucked up. No, he like went to work, he hung out at a club, he bought food for some hookers, which seemed like kind of actually a nice thing to do, um, and was maybe a little bit too into crime in which he kept some headlines and article clippings in a box or under the floorboards in his apartment. Um, that's which, it. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, there's no arguing like, yeah, he's a creepy dude with some weird personality traits and some, you know, fucked up behavioral disabilities. But again, like this comes back to the point of how is this considered, how can you consider this enough to warrant the kind of focus, attention, and suspension of your natural laws as a U.S. citizen that is portrayed in this? Right, and how can you convince the viewer that this is going to be worth your time when Jared Leto had an answer for everything that was uh, true? Where is your car? It got stolen. Did you? Why didn't you report it? I did. I did. Hey, boss, <laughs> turns out he did. Okay. Fucking end of story then, man. Yeah. Like, like that grisly murder that we that we saw the aftermath of in like, I don't know, the like second or third scene of the movie in that fucking motel room. Um, that shit never came up again. And like, it's this idea that they're not tying any of these scenes to any of these other scenes. Like, the only way that they tied, I think, those two things together was the brand of beer, which is insane. You know, if you said, like, Jared Leto was kind of knew this woman who got grisly murdered or Jared Leto frequently went to the bar where that one where the girl in the beginning um, almost got got murdered. Some shit. None of it ever tied in. There was no there was no reason for you to think Jared Leto actually killed this person other than the movie said so. Every ounce of evidence is circumstantial, which by definition is not admissible or enough to reach, you know, beyond reasonable doubt, the guilt of a suspect. That's just the no. way it is. You know, like there's nothing that was went on in this movie that warranted any of this and you know we keep saying it we keep going over it and it's like no matter what way you look at this no matter what angle you try and see this from it it's not it's not legal it's just the way it is there's no arguing against it at this point you know like i don't know it's just it drives me nuts how just batshit crazy it is well and it's like they didn't even lean into that angle of it because it's like, if you want to say this is illegal, it's, it's illegal what the cops are doing, and it's obviously illegal what the cops are doing. Okay, make that the movie then. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you've got, you're telling me that this has been going on for six months, and like over a dozen women have been murdered, and this one detective has been trying to solve it the whole time, and is getting, is becoming under fire because it's not been solved yet. That all makes total sense. Uh, make it about his desperation to the, the point which he's willing to pin it on an innocent man, which they don't. For some reason, this is Denzel Washington's operation, who has no skin in the game other than it kind of reminds him of a murder five years ago. Um, and <laughs> Not even no skin in the game. He has no legal like uh, ability to to work on this case. No, it's super against the law. Also, why isn't anybody, didn't he have to bring that evidence back to his job at some point? Did he ever actually do that? Uh, no, he was told he didn't have to. He was, oh man, I didn't even pick that up, that up. That was, uh, anyway, oh man. Oh yeah, we don't, we don't need the boots anymore. We got them on We don't need else. the evidence. Oh, yeah. that's so fucking dumb. Holy shit. Uh, but yeah, like, like, if you want to do all this illegal shit because you were desperate to pin this on somebody, then make that the angle of the movie. 
instead of about the intrigue as to whether or not he did it, when it's very obvious that he didn't, make it about how it's very obvious he didn't, and Rami Malek is just desperate to get this shit behind him. Which they, like, make some points of that obviously that is also the case, but it's not the focal point. And we end up with something that's not procedural, that's not dramatic, um, that's not suspenseful, and that's not fucking interesting. Yeah, you know, I I really didn't think about the how you could have made this movie good by changing, you know, what it was going after. Um, but man, you make a very great point that like this could have been a really good movie. This really could have been something. Um but it wasn't it wasn't even close. Um God. you know what really pissed me off at the end of it? Is Besides all of it? Well, it's exactly because of all of it. Because when when the movie ends, what the film reveals to you that it's actually about is it's about a cop forgiving himself for committing murder. That's that's the movie. In Unfortunately, completely yeah. literal sense. It's about Denzel Washington forgiving himself for killing a woman at a murder scene for like no reason. And it's forgiving. It's about Rami Malek trying to forgive himself for killing an innocent guy who was fucking with him because he was interfering with his life. Like it's about cops forgiving themselves for committing murder. And you're supposed to feel good about it. Yeah. That's hey, an man, insane it's plot. okay to make a mistake. <laughs> like like when Denzel walk and also sorry the filmmaking of the final scene of the movie is fucking ludicrous in that it ends on like a sunny happy pan out kind of way instead of a deep dark dramatic note it ends like it ends like Denzel got to like file the case away at the end after he solved it instead of just assuring Rami Malek that killing that random dude was totally cool. Uh, like it ends on a happy it. note. Like, and it's so, it's so fucking weird. He goes back in the house at the end and it's just like, I did a good job today. <laughs> it, 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 doesn't, oh! it doesn't make any fucking sense. And the fact that you're supposed to feel good about how this movie ends is crazy. I hate it. I, I'm sorry. Crazy. I hate it so much. Yeah. No, I don't blame you. I like did not enjoy the, it. After the year we just had to have to watch a movie where the focal point, where, 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 where the whole ending builds up to cops forgiving themselves for murder, having to build up to that after the whole fucking year we just had is fucking lunacy. Yeah. You ready to move on? Because I am. I'm done with this. Uh, give, me, give me a rating. Uh, one and a half. I'll go one. Yeah, okay. I, I hated this. So dumb. Okay, we're moving on. First cow. All right. Yep, 2019, I guess technically, um, the film First Cow, directed by Kelly Reichard, um, written, Jesus, by Jonathan Raymond, who wrote the novel and also helped co-write the screenplay with director Kelly Reichard. Uh, it stars Aliyah Shalkat, John Magaro, and Dylan Smith. Um, it, it definitely does not star Aaliyah Shock. What? I forget how to pronounce it. Oh, oh yeah. No, it absolutely She's in does it not. For like She's, 30 seconds. She has a non speaking role in this film for yelling. Yeah, like oh, a my and a God. Half. It's maybe. Oh, my God. I just put together that opening scene. I just remembered Wait, it. Wait, really? Oh, you just got that? Fuck me. Uh, I watched this at 2 a.m. Like, I finished this movie at 2 a.m. I totally forgot that opening scene. Well, we'll put that all together. Fuck. <laughs> uh, it had a, uh, we don't have a uh, estimated budget. We have a cumulative worldwide gross of $100,000. But again, this is ma mainly a streaming film. So those numbers don't mean anything at all. Um, <sighs> this film also has no tagline. Um, this film also has no major awards, nominations, or wins. But um, this is a film that we are expecting or we've been hearing Oscars buzz about. So in our cheat sheet of things we're hearing buzz about, we have First Cow as possibly getting 
a Best Adapted Screenplay nomination. Um, so that's why we're doing this film this week. This is our Oscar Z pick. Um, it is about a skilled cook who has traveled west and joined a group of fur trappers in Oregon, though he only finds true connection with a Chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune. Soon the two collaborate on a successful business. Uh, Corwin, this was your pick this week. Why don't you tell me about it? Um, well, now that I know the movie better, fuck me. Um, this, I saw the trailer for this when it first was released by A24. I was very much intrigued, um, uh, mostly because of the actors and absolutely just weird premise of the film, because I really didn't know what to expect about, you know, a cow being brought into the Northwest Territories, the Oregon Territory. That just seems interesting. I was all about it. Um, this ended up being one of the more memorable, just hang around, relax, enjoy the ride. Like, no, it's just the perfect, you know, sit around, enjoy the experience rather than, you know, follow along with a complex narrative. It's not a, you know, a mystery mystery thriller. It wasn't, you know, a, a coming-of-age story. Like, any of these other tropes that, you know, you usually see with quote-unquote smaller indie movies, things like that, this really was just an enjoyable little watch it, enjoy it. It's a nice little story from long ago, and I don't, there's better ways to describe it. I know I'm not doing it justice with that description, but I just couldn't help but really, really enjoy the experience of watching this. And that was my biggest takeaway of, you know, it, it didn't need to be technically perfect. It didn't need to be this, you know, intricate, you know, visual film, you know, it was shot in four, three, which I already appreciate. Cause you know, it, it's not, done enough and it's a nice little experience in its own right but i just i couldn't help but constantly enjoy the experience of this and that was my big takeaway i love the chemistry of those uh two actors you know king lou and uh cookie this is just going to end up being one of those movies that i go back and rewatch like once a year when i just want to be in a better mood or or it's you know like a happy spring day or fall day and you know you just want to get lost for two hours um i think it just it fits that bill perfectly uh, and i've really enjoyed it the fucking first and last scene you know I, I originally thought like oh like the ending of them like you know falling asleep under that tree you know escaping that danger you know leaving a little open-ended like i like that you know it's a fun story it leaves it open to interpretation. You know, they could be as happy or as sad as you want them to be. And I kind of like that. I'm fucking devastated right now, knowing that they both just died there. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily know off the top of my head what the cause would be for why, you know, King Lou would have passed. You know, Cookies is... He got shot in the head. Yeah, fairly self-explanatory. Well, he didn't get shot in the head. He just he fell and and hit his head. No, King Lou. He 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 gets he gets murdered. By who? Oh, by the, the people bullet. who are tracking Cookie at the end. Right. Okay, I forgot that that was part uh, of the chief the chief scene. factors folks. Right. I forgot that they uh show so them Cookie lays that down. Out of the... He probably is going to die of whatever brain injury he sustained, and then King Lou. Is like, oh, we're safe here because he didn't know that he would. They were getting tracked by by chief factors people, and then they probably like was resting beside him, and then they snuck up on him, and uh, I'm assuming killed him while he was asleep, or at least yeah. he didn't fight back since he, you know, the skeleton's in that position. Right. I, I imagine it was just him sleeping. Um, man, I'm sad right now. I went to bed really happy. I was in a good mood, and now I'm just I'm sad. That's every time we record, buddy. Yeah, you know. Oh, well. I, You know, at the end of the day, I can't be too upset by it. But, man, that was... Hmm. I still really enjoyed this movie. I can't argue otherwise. All right. Uh, so, I was thinking about how I was trying going to try to explain my feelings for this film. And... Uh, 
So, do you know what a photorealistic painting is? I imagine it's a painting that's made to look photorealistic. Nail on head. Yeah, um, okay. I hate those. Really? I hate them. I fucking what? hate them. Because there's talent to do it. There is no soul in doing it. Mm. It's a painting that exercises nothing but skill. And that's who who gives a shit. I do. It can't just be just about don't... skill. There has to be some element. Like, if two different people photorealistically paint the same scene, you are going to get two pictures that look identical because that's the point of a photorealistic painting. Artistic okay. license is what makes art art. Okay. Everything else. I can see where you're coming from. I don't know if I necessarily. That's fine. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with enjoying a photorealistic painting because it takes a tremendous amount of skill to do. And so if you look at it and you think that looks amazing, I think you're right. It does look amazing. Josh, personally, I don't think that is. That's not what I look for in art. I don't think it's the same thing as looking at, you know, I'm not even trying to go as wild as a Picasso. It's not the same thing as looking at like a fucking Rembrandt. Because there's you can you can pick out brushstrokes and have a, a, a conversation about what's going on and why Rembrandt's doing what he's doing. Whereas I know why everything's being done in the photorealistic painting. It's being done that way to make it look like the fucking photo. Otherwise, it wouldn't look like this. Okay, um, I get it. I get that. Yep. Right. I Same can. Page. I can. That's how I view this film. As it a is, photorealistic painting. I see this film as a photorealistic painting. To what extent? Please continue. It is, it is accurate and excruciatingly well done. And I find nothing in it that I enjoy. Hmm. I don't think the plot's very interesting. I don't think the characters are very interesting. I like their friendship a lot. I think, I think you're right. The two had great chemistry. Um, I, it just didn't. I was bored out of my fucking mind watching this. I don't. I can absolutely see that. Sure. And I, I'm not, um, but I don't dislike this movie the same way. I don't think photorealistic art is like bad or like you shouldn't like it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like, this is like, this is, this is good filmmaking that I don't enjoy. Okay. I, I honestly like, as much as I disagree, because I, I do think that there's this quote-unquote soul in the story itself and, and the way they told the story, I can totally understand why someone would, and especially you wouldn't necessarily be stimulated almost by you know watching this movie and, and, and seeing it you know unfold. So I get it. Um, and I've immediately forgotten the point I was going to make from it. So, fuck me up. <laughs> Keep going. Go eh, ahead. It is what it is. Not to cut it's you like, off. like, what are the, what's that? Hold on. I need to find the name of the actor. I'm trying to think of the guy who actually played Chief Factor or whatever his name was. Um, it's something very white and normal, uh, like Todd or some shit like that. <laughs> I really hope Toby, Toby, Todd. Toby something. Oh, why can't I find it? Where, where are you? Huh? Toby McGuire. I wish. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. What's his fuck? Toby Jones. Toby Jones. Toby Jones. That's a that is a man. Um, like there are going to be people who watch Toby Jones's performance and thoroughly enjoy it because it is very of the time. I didn't give a shit. I recognize Toby Jones. I think he did a phenomenal job doing exactly what the script called for and getting exactly the feeling that the film was going for and all of it. I am just not interested in listening to a 18th or 19th century Englishman talk about berries and which, and which berries are and are not in season. Holy fuck. I don't care. It's like, I, and this, you know, this is all very me. You know, I'm not trying to say anything about, this movie because again this is everything it went for and i think it did everything it wanted to do flawlessly but like 
I'm not the kind of guy to go and give a shit. Fuck Shark Week. I don't give a fuck what sharks are doing. It's none of my fucking business. I don't give a shit what happened in the 1800s that isn't major historical events because fuck that shit. I don't give a I don't give a shit what berries are in season. I don't care if it's the first cow in the region. I don't care about none of that none of that business. That is all table setting and I do not care. And that is all this movie is. Which I appreciate. But I don't like looking at it. I uh, dropped my mic. Uh, I appreciated it for just being immersed into the world that they were living in. You know, I, you know, you know me, right. like I'm a, I'm a big backpacker. I love being in the outdoors. I love being, you know, away from civilization, seeing like uh, as close to a glimpse of untouched nature as I can get. Being able to go back and seeing what, you know, Oregon was like a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, um, when it was just, you know, the few pioneers who were there, the few early settlers that were there for beaver trapping and things like that, that was, that was interesting and drew me in just for, you know, the premise and the nature of it. You know, that's something I like innately and I appreciated from the get-go and which is why i you know enjoyed this film as much as i did you know comparatively i can totally get again you know i'll say it again like i get why someone else wouldn't like that because it's not for everyone but i did enjoy it for the immersion i enjoyed it for you know falling deep into the belief that i'm a part or i'm in this era with them i'm in this world with them let's explore it let's experience it you know before there were you know actual towns that you would see back in you know the 1820s and 30s or the gold rush that you would see out west before that it was just you know people living in in shacks out in the woods it's people living in a tent people you know hunting for mushrooms because they can't you know they can't trap enough squirrels to sustain like a group of of trappers you know it's it's that's what made it an enjoyable experience for me and again just again and again i get that it's not everyone's cup of tea but I, I, I think what we're both driving on here is that the fact that like the fact that that's what we're talking about shows that this movie did it right Right. You know, because if this if this was a worse movie, not even worse, this was a bad movie, because I think this is, even though I don't like this movie, I think it's a good movie. Um, we wouldn't be talking about whether or not we like the world that it built. We'd be talking about how it did a bad job building it. Um, and that's not what we're talking about, because it because it, it didn't. You know, we're not we're talking about a fundamental enjoyment of a certain type of film or a certain type of artistic expression. We're not talking about what we just mm-hmm. complained about with the little things, which is everything that's being done here is wrong. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> From like a I, real life end of filmmaking perspective, this, this movie did what it wanted to do. I don't necessarily love Monet. I, you know, I look at his art and I'm like, okay, I get why that's considered good. I just don't necessarily agree. Like, that's just not my cup of tea. At the end of the day, though, I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, argue for or against, you know, whether or not I appreciate Monet's work or, or, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, I don't enjoy Monet. Monet is not good. I still know Monet is a great painter. I can, you know, fully accept that. And I think that's the same argument we're sitting here and having now, which is exactly might necessarily not love him. Or, you know, love the way it, you know, the final product came about. But I'm still here enjoying the movie. Uh, well, you enjoyed it, but yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and uh, it's, uh, it's part of the problem here, Corwin, is uh, I have, like, no notes for this. <laughs> I don't either. I, I, the only note I have down is the score I gave it. And... I'm totally okay with that. 
I really am because it's it doesn't really seem to need a whole lot because it's not you know some intricate storyline. It's not a a tenant. It's not you know one of these other movies that we've watched recently that are in that vein. It's just this is an experience movie. This is just something you watch, you enjoy it, and it's face value. Unless you forget the first scene of the movie. Yeah, yeah. In which case, uh, good fucking luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, I, I just don't have anything to complain about, and I have, I have nothing to hype up. So, um, I guess let's talk about this as, as a compares or as, um, as a potential nominee. Um, since we're we're hypothesizing that this has some degree of chance of getting nominated for best adapted screenplay, um, obviously we're going to do once the Oscars actually gets closer and we've watched all the films we're going to watch, we're going to do a bigger comparative so that we can look at the field and have a conversation about each film as it pertains to um what they're up against but in a vacuum how do you feel about this as an adapted screenplay nominee personally i'm all for it i think it should get the nomination or a nomination i i forget what other films it would be up against or we are predicting it's going to go up against um we're going straight vacuum right so no, it, it's no hard to films. say whether you know I I don't want to necessarily necessarily say it's going to win. I don't want to necessarily say it should win. I definitely think it should get a nomination and be considered. Um it's I don't know how you can argue in a vacuum or not in a vacuum whether or not it should win because it is just comparative. Yeah, it's like saying will the Chiefs win the Super Bowl tonight against pick an opponent or against some vacuous opponent. It's like no, you need a there's there, there's there's a game that has to be played against other people. You can't pick a winner in a vacuum. You have to actually pick a winner over somebody else. But uh, this is this is the adapted screenplay category, and in in that vein, I think part of the equation when you're thinking about adapted versus original screenplays, you have to think about for original, how original is this concept. You know, how difficult are they making this to execute? How much thought, how much individualism is there representative in this screenplay? For Adapted, I think part of the idea has to be how effective of a job did this film do at representing the whatever original source material it had? You know, because if you are going to adapt a book and then none of the book gets in, well, you did a bad job adapting it. <laughs> you know, like that's that's part of the that's part of the equation here. So even, you know, taking a moment to set aside what the plot is or the dialogue or any of that shit that matters, the idea that this film effectively and thoughtfully communicated what I have to assume are the ideals from the the book fairly well since we're picking up on them. Um I think that in of itself warrants a conversation about um, it being represented in the category. Because that is hard. Like, Corbin and I have talked so often on this show about movies that are clearly based on books because there are, like, bits missing that you would have gotten from the book. I actually don't think this is the case in this. I think you would get this very effectively if you never read the book, which neither of us have. I know it's a John Raymond book because he also did the screenplay. I just don't remember uh, the specific name of it. Something about this is called know, Half Life. Life. Half Life. Yeah. Half a Life. I kind of want to read the book now. I really do. The Half Life by John Raymond. The yeah. Half Life. Okay. I'll probably read that. That'll probably be one of the next books I read. Right on. I'm trying to bring my way through 100 Years of Solitude. Uh, hmm. it sure is uh, solitaire. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hate myself too. Uh, so, in terms of what the you know Academy 
nominators are going to be looking for specifically within this. Got no fucking clue. Um, I've got no fucking clue. None of the, none of the, nothing seems clunky in it. Um, for what little plot it has, I think it moves in exactly the way it wants to, and I think that is effective for it. I don't think the dialogue is wonky or weird. I think it's got everything it needs to, which, again, is actually saying a lot for most of the scripts you see thrown around Hollywood. No, Holly weird. Um, Hello. So I don't, I don't know what, what specific industry standard or, you know, artistic means test this is going to have to go through to actually receive a nomination. But I would expect, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see it there. No, 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 no. no. I don't, I don't think it will get a best picture nominee. I do think it'll get a adapted screenplay. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting year for Best Picture because there is going to be it's going to be a very tight race. I think this year there's going to be a lot of of uh, of movies cramming that category. So and it's funny because usually there's always you know one or two films that's like it's a a clear favorite. It's um, uh, what am I trying to think? A standout or two horse race like La La Land, Moonlight. You know, it's something like that. This year, I just feel like all right. There's a lot of films that have come out that could fall in that boat but there's no one or two that are like all right it's either gonna be this one or this one or you know something along that vein right yeah i uh i'm honestly not upset about no i'm not either i think part of it's because there was you know there's no like in-person theater going uh to a large degree this year um and so there's less conversation around it but fuck man i'm I'm with you i love the fact it's not a you know clear cut here's the here's the four three four movies i have to watch that are getting consideration while everything else is filler everything mm-hmm. feels like it could be in contention which is a good feeling um yeah fuck man i have nothing else to say about this no um, i have very much said and made my piece all right let's go into final rating and review this was your pick so why don't you uh kick it off again you know i i I basically gave my review right at the start it's a really great experience to just kind of immerse yourself into which you know i think while they don't necessarily go in depth to the history of quote-unquote the the world and area that they're in the world that you see even at surface level is rich enough and um a big enough part of this storyline to be just incredibly interesting. The acting between Cookie and King Lou are, uh, it's really great, their chemistry together on screen. And I cannot recommend this enough. I, I'm torn with what to give it. I think I'm going to give it like a four and a half just because of how much I'm I'm really looking back and loving the experience of watching this even though it necessarily didn't do any individual thing truly spectacularly that you would expect from a film of that quality i think it's just something that you sit back if you're into it you're into it you really enjoy it and it's going to be a hit or miss film for you and it really hit yeah yeah i'm i i get it i'm with you um which is why we're going to end up on pretty opposite ends of the spectrum here. Because uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm giving it a two because uh, I'm not even sure I'd recommend it. Not again. Not because it's bad. I'm not trying to sit here and say that it's bad. It's just so specific, and that's what I think would keep me from recommending it to people. Because it is, it is really specific, and it wasn't my thing. Josh, you don't uh, need to apologize to me. No, I know. I'm trying to justify it to my... Because, like, I think there's... If you love movies, I think there's a part of you that hates giving bad reviews to things that are made with sincerity. Like, the little things? Oh, who gives a shit? Nobody, nobody while making that movie cared about it. It is very obvious. Um, based on how slapped together it is. Um, 
this though, we're talking like, about the little I... things right okay uh yeah the little things for yeah, half yeah. a second i was like josh i don't think we're talking about the same movie here anymore um no no, no yeah the little things this even though i didn't care for it and it wasn't my jam like it feels so sincere and i and you hate to give that movie a bad review i the way i'm trying to do it is i'm trying to think about me and i'm trying to give the review from my perspective which is why i'm going with the two but like I just I I maybe I'm wrong, but I have this feeling that if you if you are a movies person, you hate being in the position I am right now. But I know exactly I what you mean. Too. I really yeah. do. Yep. All right. So that's those two. Check them out. Um, we'll see if these both end up being Oscar nominated pictures, which would be so sad um, because they are not the same quality. <laughs> Um, I don't see any very way disparate levels of quality. I I don't see any way these are both nominated in those ca- that category together at oh, all. Oh no, not that category. But if Jared Leto ends up getting a uh, a fucking best uh, supporting actor nominee nomination, ooh, ooh buddy, yeah. no thanks. Yeah. I think uh, uh, I think right. either one of these guys could get a best supporting actor. I I don't know if Cook. I guess it would have to be King Lou because I guess Cookie is the de facto lead. I'd be down for a King Lou Oscar nominee. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Um. All right. Anyway, so bef- before we get into next week's picks, the Golden Globe nominations came out. Um, I'm not sure how much Corbin and I really have to say, if I can speak on his behalf, um, because I'll allow it. Thank you, sir. Um, because they. Golden Globes divide between dramas and um, comedy slash musicals. So there's only five nominations per category for the best picture categories, but there's two categories. But, you know, you get more like when, once the Academy's best picture nominees come out out of the nine films, it's going to be chances are like eight out of nine would be drama films. So you might get one maybe two nominees out of the um, musical comedy category, but it's not a lot. So luckily Corbin and I have you know a list that we're working off of to get through these films in a reasonable amount of time before the Oscars. And based on the, the films that came out, um, we're, we're looking good. There's, you know, we don't have to, we haven't had to make too many adjustments to our list. Um, we're, we're still very much so on pace. So if you're looking at the golden globes and wondering, which ones are likely to be indicators for the Oscars and whether or not we're going to talk about them. It's a very good chance we are um, feeling good about that. But I don't know if you have anything to say too much about these nominations, but I I don't have much. Nothing that stands out. Yeah, it's... Who the fuck knows, you know, uh, whether or not they mean anything. But, but we're looking good, so Corwin and I are both content. Um... All right, that being said, next week's picks. Uh, Corwin, what do you got? Uh, I just kind of picked a random one off my list. Uh, sticking with A24, uh, Uncut Gems. So, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. All right. All right, uh, then for my pick this week for the Oscars pick, um, I'm going to go with a film that is set to release i believe this friday um so it's not technically out yet but it should be on hbo max this friday uh judas and the black messiah now we have this film as being potentially in play for best supporting actor best original screenplay and best cinematography so those things are to be looked out for as uh, we watch it i've also seen it get um, a little bit of discussion around a possible best lead actor and best um, film, best uh, best picture nominations, but those are going to be really competitive categories, so who knows, but there's been a lot of buzz around it. HBO's been hyping it up, as is their job to do so, um, and uh, looking forward to watching it. So those are the two picks, Uncut Gems and Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, Courtwin, anything else before we get out of here? Hell no. All right. Well, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Big Screen Juice. And if you want to uh, hit us up via email, you can do so at juicingthebigscreen at gmail.com. And uh, until next Tuesday, y'all have a good one. Bye. The right.